Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Jordan Schur. Jordan is the Vice President of Marketing at OpsRamp. And in this episode, we talk about how to identify and live your brand, what marketing functions can be insourced versus outsourced, and the company's amazing work in supporting employees in India throughout COVID. In a few moments, you'll hear Jordan talk about how a company's culture and brand promise are directly correlated. Who does your company serve? And can you do little things along the way to support that? Jordan talks about hanging pictures of the buyer persona on the walls of your office. I love this. But in some companies, the only people that truly interact with the buyer are the sellers. They're often the ones with the relationships. For them, the buyer isn't a persona, but rather a person. And that person has kids and pets. And also, that person is taking a vacation right as the quarter is coming to a close and you're about to hit quota. Ugh, I hate when that happens. In my day job, I think about the ways that personas become people, particularly for remote and distributed teams. What are the scalable, affordable, and authentic ways to tell customer stories? Not only for marketing purposes, but also for cultural purposes. It's really hard and expensive to capture customer stories in video, and not everyone can be scheduled to attend your all hands as a guest. What would it be like to capture a five, 10 minute interview with the key buyer and publish that as a company podcast? Share it to the company Slack so that all of your colleagues can hear directly from the buyer. Take that same content and publish it to your consumer blogs and to one page PDFs that are used by sales and marketing. You know what's better than a client pull quote? Five minutes of that person talking about how great you are. Benly is the audio platform for business and we believe that your audio content should live where you do business. Whether it's privately and securely sharing company podcasts to Slack and intranets or externally on blogs, LinkedIn, and PDFs, Venly is a low burden, high impact tool for companies that are looking to leverage audio for stakeholder engagement. Curious about how audio can play a role in how you drive culture and brand? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the fascinating Jordan Sharp. Hi, Jordan. Brian, how are you? Jordan has 20 years of enterprise in startups, emerging technologies, enterprise B2B marketing, IT infrastructure operations, and artificial intelligence. He currently serves as the vice president of marketing at OpsRamp, and he's responsible for brand development and positioning, demand generation, and digital marketing. Most recently, Jordan was the vice president, head of marketing for Stack Infrastructure, a hyperscaled data center operator based in Denver with over one gigawatt of capacity in North American markets, where he had built the brand, product marketing, communications, demand generation, and partner enablement programs. Jordan, thanks again for being with me today. Great to be here, Brian. Thanks again. So a really interesting theme throughout your career has been that you've often been the startup's first marketing hire. Everything feels so urgent and pressurized at early stage startups. How have you thought about where to begin and what to prioritize? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like this blended mix. Uh, you know, I have a vision of what needs to get done in a marketing organization, and the executive team has a vision. And so really, the, the goal is to bring those two visions together. Oftentimes, the executive team has a sense of urgency around a couple of initiatives. Maybe they promise them to the board. Maybe they've got some customer priorities that provide some of that roadmap for the marketing team to execute on. It's your job as the marketing hire to tease that out of them and understand what they need. But I think it's also important to have a longer term vision about what a company 
in this space at this time needs to be successful. There are core elements, right? Every company nowadays needs a website. Every company nowadays needs some sort of brand positioning to align and bring the company together. Um, every company nowadays needs some sort of customer journey and um, ideal customer profile. Those are the fundamental things in the back of my head that are check boxes that we do need to check if an executive comes to me and says, build your 30, 60, 90 day plan. But also part of that plan is ultimately like sitting down with the team and saying, hey, I know that you know we are already in flight in some revenue generation activities or some fundraising activities or whatever. You know, what marketing assets do you need to maintain that momentum? So that's how I typically begin. So many marketing and communication campaigns, quote unquote, don't work because there isn't this alignment that you just mentioned with the executive before the initiative is even launched. In the marketing seat, how do you think about understanding executive priorities, whether it's a revenue generation execution or a fundraising execution, and mapping that through alignment all the way to execution? Yeah. Um, you know, some of it un- involves knowing your audience, obviously. Um, I have worked for CEOs who have formerly been product people, um, formerly been finance people. Regardless, uh, the one thing I haven't worked for is somebody who's formerly been a marketing person. So uh, having that perspective on what they think about colors your perception of the conversations you have with them. So that's number one. Do your, do your homework, do your due diligence. Second of all, understanding that the team might not know what they need, but what they're bringing you in for is access to the entire portfolio of tools at your command. So I understand what good looks like, what success looks like. When a company comes to me and says, uh, okay, you know, we are pre-seed funding or pre-series A, you know, we've got a couple of customers, you know, friends and family that have already written us checks and have a propensity to buy. So, you know, very, very uh, uh, low revenue generation, but something there and we have an idea, right? Number three. So what are the steps that we need to scale? I mean, for them, I would say, A, you know, we have to, we have to bottle the magic of whatever these customers see in this product and turn it into some sort of amplified message. That's number one. Number two is we do have to write down the why of why we're in business as a North Star. You know, as we scale, we're going to want to keep our eye on that North Star. And number three, we have to figure out what's your business plan? You know, are you going to raise a round of funding in the next 12 to 18 months? If so, what do we need? What are the milestones we need to hit to get there? Do we have revenue goals that we're trying to hit? You know, what's the mix of executives right now that are trying to help us get there? Like, do we have a scaled sales team? Do we have one seller? You know, does that seller have tools? Those kinds of things influence your priority list on what you should execute on. So it really is a matter of going in there and doing your homework, doing your due diligence and understanding both the mindset of the executive team and the overall mindset and scalability of the business. That will be your guide. When we connected offline, you shared that the brand needs to permeate throughout the company. There's sort of yeah. a, a two-part question here, which is at those very early stages, you don't really even know if you have a company and what the brand should be. Yeah. So at what point does the brand sort of need to be identified? Yeah. Um, and then the second part of the question is, it's not just like the website or a capabilities deck, right? 
Yeah. Uh, it also has to be the DNA of the company and its employees. So how does the brand become the why for the company? Yeah. In marketing, who are the stakeholders that help make that possible for you as the head of marketing? That's a really good. You're getting to the core fundamentals of brand, right? Brand execution. So in my mind, if you have a company, you have a brand. Basically, the brand is what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. So if you have an early stage company and when you're brand new, most likely what people are saying about you right now is they're small. You know, they've got a great idea. They have a founder who, you know, is exciting, whatever that is, that is part of your brand. And so identifying that and being true, true to that story, even if it's not exactly what you want, leveraging your strengths is what you need to do with your brand. That's the, that's the first part of identifying the truth behind your brand, right? If you have a company, you have a brand, get into what that is and leverage the strengths out of it. It's not that you're small, it's that you're scrappy, you know, it's that you're nimble, it's that you're, you have agility, it's that you're customer focused, you know, more customer focused than a lot of other companies because a customer can call a founder up at any given time. You know, you can't do that at United Airlines, for example. So you have strengths in whatever your brand is. It's just a matter of identifying that and then, you know, writing that down and continuing to try and leverage those strengths in your messaging as you grow. The second part of your question is uh, all about making the brand real for the business. Now, brand is one part unspoken activities and like flexing of a muscle within the business and one part inflicting it and making it happen in the company. So once you've written down what this brand is all about, it's really important to get the other people who influence employee activity and customer perception involved. I think about sales, you know, sales are arbiters of the brand. So they need to have a specific language. They need to have specific assets. They need to have specific, you know, reasons to be about what that brand is. Um, I think about product, you know, like if we're going to bring the brand to the product, I think about software products, you know, um, that software needs to be designed or should be designed with the brand in mind to deliver on that promise. Um, at OpsRamp, you know, we stand for the IT operator. And so what that means is that the IT operator's behaviors and needs and wants, messages need to be reflected in the product. So when an IT operator gets into that, the best feedback we can get is, oh my gosh, this was obviously made by people who have been IT operators in the past, right? That's great, that's part of our brand. The next piece is HR. As you continue to scale, you know, the brand is carried by the employees that join you on the journey. So how does HR do its hiring? This is a culture piece too. What sort of questions do they ask in the interview? You know, if our brand is scrappy, if our brand is customer focused, how do we get to those personality traits in everybody we hire? That's number the number one aspect of HR, right? What questions do we ask? How do we look for candidates? Um, you know, how do we know if a candidate is a good fit? Are there tests we can implement? Um, the onboarding process. When we onboard employees, is the brand clear to them? And uh, do they feel like they walk away from the onboarding process with a clear understanding of why we're in business and what that means for our everyday life? Um, that's important. And then the third piece is like the workplace. Do we uphold the workplace, do we uphold culture in the workplace in a way that's brand effective? So if we stand, for example, at OpsRamp for the IT operator, it's our brand promise. 
can we get pictures of IT operators on our walls? So we always keep the customer persona in mind. You know, can we see all the time what the IT operator sees out of our software platform? So we understand their challenge and we live it every day. Um, can we go out like in the onboarding process? Can we go out and we talk to IT operators and we have, you know, IT operator experiences written down. So even if you're in sales or if you're in HR or you're in accounting or whatever, you can truly understand the challenges of the IT operator in the world that we live today. Uh, those are onboarding and culture and workplace techniques that help you live the brand. The big thing about brand is it's very difficult because it's not something you like tell someone and then walk away. It's something you have to live. And to, to live it, you have to be determinate about it. You have to be intentional. It takes a lot of like mental space and intention and everyday thinking about it. But really that's how you create a strong brand. Does that answer your question? It does, but it brings of course another question, yeah. which is sure. what is the difference between brand and culture? Oh, it's a great, absolutely great question. So I would say that one influences the other, for sure. I would say that you want the culture to be commingled and aligned with the brand, and you want the brand to support the workplace culture. So a great example is working at IBM, who serves you know a different kind of technology professional than you know. Uh, I'll give you another uh, example: a, Graf a Grafana, you know, is a different kind of company. So IBM makes a whole suite of IT solutions for very large enterprises. Everybody's heard of IBM. You, know, you never get fired for, for uh, hiring IBM. Grafana, on the other hand, is a Prometheus metrics platform, monitoring platform for developers, software developers. Software developers are an entirely different IT persona than the IT executive. So you would want the culture at Grafana to reflect the developer, and you would want the culture at IBM to reflect the IT executive. You'd want the brand to do that too. So if I were building culture at IBM, I would think about how do we create a workplace where we deliver on the promises of the IT executive, you know, where we're thinking about big time trends, we're doing things like IBM Watson, you know, we're building artificial intelligence on a big scale, we're transforming these large businesses, we're living at the intersection of like big technology. Whereas Grafana, you're thinking about software developers. Software developers wear cool t-shirts and have stickers on the back of their laptops and like work in their basement and want socks, you know, from events. And so like, like that's a developer, a software developer. So you got to live that truth for them. Um, and those, those two, you can see how in those two examples, like brand and culture are both aligned, but they're also different. They're different. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Let's go back to something that you said at the outset of, of our conversation. For early stage companies, what are the functions within marketing that can be outsourced? And what are the capabilities that must live in-house? Yeah. So I think about functions in marketing in silos that are kind of distinct in my head. So I think about uh, corporate communications. I think about demand generation. I think about product marketing. Um, I think about uh, sales enablement um, and I think about digital marketing, right? Um, and, you know, certain dis discrete activities like events can fall under one of those and usually like straddle different areas. The things that are closer to the core of the business that require you to understand the brand and the DNA and the culture 
and the promise and the product are things you can't necessarily outsource. So I think about product marketing. I wouldn't want to outsource product marketing because I want people who live with my product to understand and who understand the customer to be in my four walls every day. Like that's somebody who needs to be brought into the business. Whereas digital marketing, not necessarily close to the business, but close to some of the tools we use to generate demand doesn't necessarily need to be insourced. For example, I can hire somebody who can look at my website and apply some best practices for SEO or for user experience or for something, you know, whatever, who can be brought in as an outsourced resource. That's fine. Um, design. Design is another outsourced resource. You don't need to know the product. You just need to have good tenants of design and you can apply things. I have had less experience, positive experience from outsourcing writing. I really like to have writers insourced because they are people who live closer to the product and the messaging, for example. So it's tough for me to outsource a writer. Uh, PR is a great outsourced uh, practice because you can find PR folks who can take your press release and send it to the media, you know? Um, so it's it's definitely a case-by-case basis. Is it better to have everybody insourced? It typically is, but it's not cost-effective. So, you know, find the folks who are closest to the business and insource them and then outsource the rest. I'll get you out on this question. Uh, of course, COVID has been just one of these seminal moments, I think, in many of our lives. You have a significant employee base in India. Mm -hmm. What are some of the steps that the company has taken for your colleague uh, over there around COVID? Yeah. So we have huge offices in India. Um, We are kind of an almost an India first company. It comes with tremendous advantages for us. Um, The Indian workforce is awesome. Um, They deliver for us on a regular basis. They are scrappy. Uh, They know the technology really well. And so they have, they are typically a tremendous resource for us. We always, we often, we always want to stand behind our Indian colleagues um, and support them wherever necessary, whether that's, you know, celebrating Diwali with, with them and on their behalf, whenever we can, um, and coming to their need when they're facing challenges like, like COVID-19. When COVID-19 struck, we immediately closed our offices and uh, went to a a work from home um, policy across the board you know, we told our employees that their safety and the safety of their family is comes first. Um, and then we got scrappy about it. We took it a step further. Um, as you can imagine, it's really difficult to source vaccinations for the Indian population. Uh, they don't have the same kind of access that we do in America that we oftentimes take for granted over here to vaccines. So not only did OpsRamp go and source additional vaccines for its employee workforce in um, Hyderabad, and Bangalore, but we also went a step further and tried to source ventilators for both friends and family when they needed um, ventilators for uh, folks who are suffering from acute COVID-19. That is not only for employees, but for the families of employees as well. Um, We still have a work from home policy. It's very strict. We're still continuing to source vaccinations wherever possible. We're trying to build culture you know, remotely with our Indian teams, you know, uh, we're off operating with a lot of delicacy around the situation there because it's, 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 they're so critical to us and they, they're the backbone of our workforce. Jordan, thank you for all your time and your wisdom today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. This has been great. Super fun. Appreciate the time.